What's going on, guys? It's your boy, Big Baby Steve. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Philly Talks. Guys, on this episode, I'm talking all MMA. I'm talking about the 135 division, who we think is the next number one contender for the title. I'm talking Cynthia and I mean, Jessica Eyes fight last weekend, which was great. Uh, talking unions, the whole nine yards. But before we get into all that, guys... So I bought my girl some Ethica underwear, uh, maybe about like a month ago, you know what I'm saying? And she had put it on, she tried it on, she said that it felt like she wasn't wearing anything, and and like I and I didn't know what that meant. Like I thought like that was a good thing, but she I guess she's just used to the uh, the material of all her all her other underwear that she buys um, that just feels tight and constricted and whatever. So she said that she probably didn't like it all like that. So I said, okay, cool. Well, she called me earlier today and said, hey, actually, I love the Ethica underwear. Um, she put it on and, she, you know, she put on her pants or whatever, and she was getting ready for work. And she's like, she actually loves it. She loves the way it feels, the material, the, all, the whole nine yards. So I was like, oh, so she just had to get used, not used to it, but she just had to walk around in them basically you know what i'm saying like it's kind of like shoes like you might not like they might feel tight at first but if you walk around with them for a little bit like oh but they're actually not that bad same thing with her she put it on she started walking around getting ready for work she went on on her way to work it sounded like she was gonna have a stressful day but she has her ethical underwear on today so you know i bought her the the boy shorts i believe it i, I forget i think no i think i bought her the staple i think i might bought the the woman's staple either one but she says she loves it so Look, guys, if you guys want to buy your girl a present uh, that no one else is buying for their girl, Ethica underwear. Go buy them. You know, they're going quick. So, you know, buy them now. You know what I'm saying? I wear them. My girl wears them. You know, I bought some for Rick for his birthday a couple months ago. He he loved his. So I'm trying to tell you, make sure you buy the Ethica underwear. It feels good. It feels great. But nonetheless, let's get into this episode. This is MMA Talk. Let's get it. Alright guys, so this is a quick episode on some MMA talk, some news that's been going down uh, in MMA, you know, so if you know me, you know that I like talk, I love MMA, so I'm a huge fan, so you know, me talking about it, that ain't nothing to me, so I thought I'd give you like a quick, quick episode, you know what I'm saying, so let's, let's, let's get straight down to it, so let's get down to the 135 division, the Bantamweight division, uh, and what we think is going on, who is the next challenger, so we know for a fact that UFC 251 is going to have Aldo versus Jan um, for the title, the vacant title. Henry Sudo uh, vacated that title uh, a couple of weeks ago, so now here we are. We're about to we're about to see who's going to be the next champ. Whoever wins, now the biggest question becomes who fights next for the boat. So this is what happened a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago actually. Um, it was UFC 250, and Sugar Shane O'Malley opens up the card at 135. Um, fighting Eddie Wyland, and the fight was pretty good. I know a lot of people were saying that they didn't think um, Sugar Shane was going to put on a good performance because Wyland is experienced and all that, and he's not a stepping stone for anybody. I can tell you that uh, for a fact. But uh, 
Sugar Shane went out there and he, I don't want to say he made it look easy, but he made it look easy. He he went out there and he, and he fought his fight. And within the first round, he knocked out Eddie Wyland. Uh, he caught Eddie with a looping left hand that um, that had Wyland on, um, I don't want to say rocked. He didn't rock him, but he caught him. He caught him good where, oh yeah, he rocked him. Let, let's just say he rocked. He caught him with the left hand, rocked him. Eddie wasn't stable on his feet. And then Sugar comes out of nowhere and just throws his pistol over right hand that knocks out uh, Wyland straight to the floor. Like straight knocked out sleeping. Stiff as a surfboard. Um, so that went down. So now Sugar Shane basically sent a message to, sent a message out saying, you know, let's see any of the other 135ers on the card that same night at UFC 250. See if they can do a better performance. Well, Aljamain Sterling was the third fight. He was going against Corey Sandhager. And um, Aljamain kind of won up um, uh, Sugar Shane Mosley by being really dominant in the first round. Like, the, the fight only lasted maybe a minute or two. Like, that's how fast it was. Aljamain got on top, took, him, took Corey down, got on his back, wrapped up a rear naked choke and tapped him out. And even when Corey tapped out, he tapped out too late because once he tapped out, he fell asleep. There was no more air to the brain. The body went to sleep right afterwards, um, which is crazy. Like, so now he, we have Aljamain Sterling saying, I just won up your, you know, your knockout in the first round by tapping out somebody in the first round in my fight. So top that, you know what I'm saying? So then here's Corey Garbrandt Going going against uh uh Jesus who Asansa, sorry. And uh you would never think Cody would have won up there because he went past the first round, so we're like, all right, Corey's out out of I mean not Corey, uh Garbrandt's out automatically at this point. Because he went past the first round. So um I guess they're gonna have to choose between Sugar Shane O'Malley and um, Aljamain Sterling to see who's going to be the number one contender. Most likely it will be Aljamain Sterling because he's been in the division longer and he has more experience. And I said it from the beginning that if Aljamain didn't win, he's going to have to find a new division because he's been in that division way too long to let an opportunity like this slip between his fingers. So, so Garbrandt's out there. He's fighting. He goes past the first round. Very automatically saying, like, okay, he's all, he's probably going to lose by decision or win by decision. Either one takes him out because he had, didn't have an impressive win. Well, Cody decides to give everybody a show. At the last second, literally the last second of the second round, when he throws this right punch from hell and knocks out Asansa, like, straight cold. Like, knocked out sleeping. Like... You were like, wow, he's he's done. Like, he hit him with the punch. The bell, as the bell was signaling, means it was still legal. And he fell. Now, had, had, had his opponent got hit and fell and was just staggered, the fight would have continued. But because he got hit at the bell and he was knocked out, the referee called it out. It was a second round knockout. I call it a buzzer beater. I know Cody put up later on that it was a buzzer beater, so I guess we both agreed on that. And so that puts him back in the running. A buzzer beater knockout in this, at the last second of the second round. 
know what I'm saying? Like, and I know people, like, for me, Aljamain Sterling is still the guy, but a lot of the casual fans and stuff like that are going to be looking at that and going, they only remember the last fight that they saw. So the last fight they saw was Cody. So I know some people are like, oh, Cody deserves another title shot. No, let's be serious. He doesn't deserve another title shot. Like, let's not get crazy here. You know what I'm saying? Like, Max coming off a three-fight losing streak, and then he just got a knockout. So let's get that ball rolling. But now we also have Morales, who's out there, who was the last guy to fight uh, Henry Cejudo at 135. Oh, no, he, no, he wasn't the last guy to fight at 35. He, his last fight was for the 35 title against Henry Cejudo. He put on a good performance, but Cejudo was able to uh, win that fight. So he's still out there as well. So now we have basically four guys waiting to see who wins against Aldo and Young. Um, I think, my personal opinion, I think everyone should fight each other. You know, um, Sugar Shane said that if Cody ever tried to fight him, that he would knock Cody out, no questions asked. Like, it wouldn't even be a challenge. And that, you know what? That's a fight I wouldn't, wouldn't mind to see. Cody versus Sugar. Let's put that down. Then we have Aljamain against um, Morales. You could, you could do that fight, too. And it could be like a tournament style. Those two going against those two. The winners of those fights go on to face each other. And then the winner of, of that fight goes to fight whoever won against Aldo and, and Young. Like, that's how I think it's going to go. Or they just might... Go down the list. They might, whoever wins against Jan and Aldo, your next fight is against, you know, whoever is highest on the ranking. So if Aljamain Sterling is higher, he'll get a shot. And then it will probably be Sugar Shane and probably Cody. You know what I'm saying? And they'll probably go, because the division's deep. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to, you don't want your contenders to knock each other out of the box, you know, because the division's never been this deeper before. You know, there's always been one or two guys who, you know, you're looking at. Now we have four guys, uh, excuse me, and maybe even five now, because if, say, let's say Aldo does win and Jan loses, Jan is still in the running. Just because he lost to Aldo doesn't make him, doesn't mean he's not still in the running. He can still get a rematch, especially if it's a close fight, you know, so we'll see what goes on with that. I'm excited for the 135 division. I think it's going to be really, really good. I hope to, um, can't wait to see UFC 251. I was looking at the fight card. Looked amazing. But before we get to that, let's get to last weekend's um, Jessica I versus Cavillo. Uh, that was a really good fight. Like, the fight card was good. A lot of young fighters coming up. Um, the fights were really good. But the one that I want to um, really, really talk about is the 125 division, the main event, Jessica I versus Cynthia Cavillo. Uh, that was a really good fight. I was not only interested, um, I was impressed by Cynthia really, like, in the fight. Because what I didn't expect, well, for, just give everybody clarity of what's going on. So, these two ladies both came from different divisions to enter the 125 division. Alright, so, you got Jessica I coming down from the 135 division. And you got Cynthia coming up from the 115 division. So they're meeting at 125. Um, Jessica I is ranked number one at 125. You know what I'm saying? She's she's won a couple fights. And Cynthia, this is her second fight. And her can you imagine your second fight in a new division? You're fighting the number one ranked fighter in your division. They're they're not the champion. They're just ranked number one. They're like the number one contenders. 
fixed, basically. And you're about to fight her. Uh, I thought Jessica I was going to outmuscle Cynthia. I thought she was going to, you know, but I knew Cynthia was still scrappy, but she was still young in her career. You know, I think now, um, by the coming in, she only had 10 fights. She was eight and one with one draw. So that's 10 fights. So now after this fight, she's 11, she's nine and one. So she has 11 fights. Jessica I, on the other hand, has had a couple fights. She's been around for a minute. Um, but Cynthia came out with a really good game plan. I don't know what it was, but the first round was dead even. You could have given that to anybody. But the second, third round went to Cynthia. Like, Cynthia was just moving, tagging up Jessica I. Um, Jessica was trying to use her boxing, but Cynthia's footwork, head movement uh, was just on point. And then her jabs were on point. Um, and her takedowns were really good. And I remember watching the fight going um, the second and third round. Cynthia took... Jessica I down in the last 30 seconds. And I remember Paul Felder commentating, saying, like, I wonder if she's just trying to steal around at the end. I said, that's actually a really good point. Like, he, she probably is trying to steal the rounds at the end. She's, it's a close round, but if I get the takedown in the last 30 seconds, you automatically, you know, get to get a thumbs up. So I was wondering if that was the case as well. But Cynthia, um, in the fourth took down uh, in the fourth round, took down Jessica in the beginning of the round. And I thought, okay, here we go. Now she has way more time to work. Because you, if you take somebody down in the last 30 seconds, you don't have that much time to do any ground and pound or get a position where you could get a submission. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so for her to get her down in the fourth round, I was really expecting her to work. And she did. And she had a controller for like two minutes, maybe two and a half. And then she got up. And then I noticed Cynthia was tired. Cynthia was scrambling around, scrambling, not scrambling, scrambling around with Jessica I on the ground that she was tired now. Not Jessica was tired, Cynthia was tired. So now Cynthia's like, I've seen her backing up, she's slowing down, her head movement isn't there, her footwork's real slow. And now Jessica I is really just starting throwing punches, like, and she's walking her down. And I'm like, wow, if Cynthia gets knocked out at the end of the fourth round, this is crazy because she just had a great game plan from start to finish. It will be a shame. I said she has to survive the fourth round and really get her bearings to under her. Lucky enough, Cynthia does make it to the fourth round. Jessica, I was really trying to finish the fight, but Cynthia was able to make it to the fifth round. And I was expecting, like, all right, now, Cynthia, all she has to do is just move, stick and move, stick and move, stick and move. You know what I mean? Especially if she's out of tired. If she is tired. Um, but... Cynthia came out with a second wind, which was amazing. Like, I was literally looking like, wow, she's back. Like, she literally just bounced back. Like, that's crazy. Like, she bounces back. She's sticking and moving. She's going for the takedowns. And she takes it all, she takes it all the way to the end of the fifth round and wins by decision. Dominant performance. The crazy part is Cynthia is not ranked. She does not have a number. She's not in the top 15 whatsoever. Jessica I is number one. Cynthia just won. Where does that put uh, uh, Cynthia after winning, being the number one person? I think automatically she should be put number one. You know what I'm saying? But I know with the rankings, they'll, they'll probably put her at number eight or something. But from not being ranked to being put number eight, I like fair. But it's not like she won a split decision or anything. She dominated that fight. Her boxing was on point. Her ground game was on point. I think she should be number one. I think this is the right division for Cynthia, and I think she knows it, so I think she should definitely be number one. But that's just me. 
That's just what I think. You know what I'm saying? So, you don't have to go what I think, but if you do, you know. Um, so, the next fights that I'm looking forward to, guys, uh, there's, a, there's a couple good fight uh, fight night cards to coming up. Blaze versus Wokov. I'll be looking forward for that. Blaze is an upcoming heavyweight that I've been enjoying watching for a while now. Um, who's the other one? I wanna Let me go down the list of the UFC 251 so um, you guys can kind of get excited. Because I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. I, I, they put out the fight card for 251 during the Cynthia and Jessica I fight card, and I was really impressed. Oh, another UFC fight night on June 27th, Poirier versus Hooker. That's going to be a good one, too. And then, oh, here we go. 251. I, I, was, I, was, I was trying to remember why 251 was so special. I remember now. Uh, let me, let's get to it. First of all, the main event is Usman versus Burns. Gilbert Burns. Why is that significant? Gilbert Burns has fought three times, twice. He's fought twice in two months. By him fighting in July, he'll be fighting three times in three months. Like, that's crazy. He's taking a fight every single month. Talk about being active. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, like I know everybody's talking about the quarantine and, and, like, the pandemic and all that, how it's really bad. But for Gilbert, it's been great because he's been able to fight because not that many fighters out here trying to fight right now. So for him, what would have took him a year, year and a half for getting those two fights, he's literally got it in two months, and now he's fighting the champ. Like, and it's going to be a good fight. Like, it really is. The co-main event of that of UFC 251, oh my goodness, Alexander Volskovsky versus Max Holloway for the title. That's going to be a good one too. Um, I, I've, been, I've Max has been out for a minute now. Uh, I can't wait to see him fight. I think that's going to be a really good one. Um, then at before the co-main event, it's the fight that I was just talking about at 135. Peter Young versus Ho- Jose Aldo. For the bantamweight vacant bantamweight title, so that should be a good one too. Um, before that fight, it's the strawweight bout: Jessica Andras versus uh, Rose Namajunas, the rematch. But there's no title on the line because Wei Li is the champ at the, at, at uh, 115 right now. But that re- if you didn't watch the first fight, go watch it. Go watch Jessica Andre versus Rose Namajunas, the first fight, uh, and you'll see why this fight is a little special. And then before that, we have Paige Van Zandt versus Amanda Rebus. That should be a really good fight. Paige is coming off uh, a broken wrist or hand, I think. I think it was a broken wrist or forearm. One of them. Something got broken in her hand. She had a cast on for the last almost a year now. So, um, yeah, UFC 251 is going to be really good. So, make sure you watch that one. That's the one I'm going to, again, I'm going to try to get a fight companion where basically just me and a couple guys watching the fights and commentating what's happening, how we feel about the not only the divisions but UFC and MMA and we'll talk some shit too. So you know but I'm, I'm gonna try to get that but it's just hard to get everybody together at this time during the pandemic. So you know bear with me. It will happen. Um but I think that's it. I think the only other news is uh do you guys think you uh Conor McGregor is going to start a union and I say no. A lot of people were asking that Conor retire to start a union um, uh, because there's been big talk about how MMA needs a big union. I don't think so. I personally think um, Conor is not going to start a union. You have to remember, by starting a union, 
you need the top guys. So for the, for UFC to have a union, you need John Jones, uh, Conor McGregor, and who's the and Amanda Nunez. I'll give Amanda Nunez because she's the best fighter right now, like hands down. She's the best fighter. She's the only champion to defend two titles uh, simultaneously, uh, not simultaneously, but while holding both belts. She's defended the 135 and the 145 titles, uh, something no one else has done. Everyone else who has become a double champion has only defended one title. Amanda has defended both. Do I think they're going to do it? No. You know why? Because unions put caps on how much you can make, and that's why the problem is. People want to talk about they want to make Conor McGregor money, but the reason he's making it is because there is no union. The moment you bring a union, yes, it's safer for a lot of the younger guys, but for the guys who are top at the top of the the food chain, you put a cap on it. Like you got to just now, John Jones was saying how he wants to make thirty million dollars, you know, uh, to fight Francis Nagano at heavyweight. You know what I'm saying? Guess what? If there's a union, that doesn't happen because there's a cap. What a, what a union does is everybody gets paid the an equal amount uh, from top to bottom. And not saying that the champ makes the same amount as somebody who's ranked number 20, but saying like if, you, if you're in this box, if you're in the top five, you make this amount. If you're the champion, you make this amount. So it, it makes a cap, puts a really big cap on what you can make. Because if I'm a ranked number six guy, and I'm fighting a number seven guy, or say I'm ranking, I'm fighting a number five guy. If we're entertaining, if we really have like a rivalry going on, we can make some really good money for for not fighting for a belt. Like if we have a rivalry and people are into the rivalry and they're gonna pay, pay for merchandising, they're gonna pay for the tickets, they're gonna pay for the pay-per-views, we can make a significant amount of money uh, on that fight without having to fight for the title, you know what I mean? Which is great, but the moment you put a union around that, now that number six guy doesn't make what that number five guy is making because they're in two different categories. The number six guy is in, is in the top 10 money making while the number five guy is in the top five money making. So uh, I think unions aren't gonna, it, it, it's not gonna happen because you gotta remember, Fighting is, is, is an individual sport. Unions only are in sports that are team related, like, you know, uh, basketball, baseball. These are these, these are unions that come in because of the team sport. Fighting is not like when like there's no union in boxing. You know what I'm saying? There's no union in MMA because everything is done individually. And the guys who have made it to the top of the food chain know for a fact, I don't want anyone putting a cap on how much I can make. I want to make as much money as I can make every single time I go out there to fight. So, I don't think there's going to be a union anytime soon. If there is, great, but I don't think so. You need the top of the top. You need the top managers and the top fighters to get together and be like, hey, we're not going to fight. But the thing is, there's so many MMA fighters out there that even if you're able to tell everybody, hey, boycott UFC, no one fight, they're usually just gonna grab some guys from Brazil, from the from Britain, and some of the guys on the regional scene, um, other states, and they're just gonna keep going. They're a business. They're gonna keep going. Um, so I don't I don't see a union happening anytime soon. But if it does, great. But if it doesn't, I'm not surprised either. You know what I'm saying? So we'll see what happens. But all right, guys, that's my time. 
I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Hope I gave you a little update of the, what's going on in MMA right now. You guys stay safe. I love you guys. I'm out.